till January 1. He says, but Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. And he went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for the port. And after paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Every time I've read this passion, passage of scripture, I've always looked at Jonah as almost a failure. It's like God was asking Jonah and Jonah ran, which is true. But is it possible that Jonah didn't run because of who God was? But that Jonah was running because of who Jonah was? Is it possible that it wasn't the identity and the understanding that he had a God that was mighty, a God that was able, a God that had the ability, the provision, the possibility? But instead of Jonah believing in the God in his life, he began to look at the life of Jonah and said, God, you got the wrong guy. I think you're looking for Jonah on 16th Street. You got Jonah on Fremont Street. Like, God, do you know who I am? You know what I love about God is he never lacks vision for our life. That God has something greater for our life. And he comes to Jonah and he says, Jonah, I want to do great things through your life. I believe that Jonah was in a moment in his life where God was asking him more of his life than just his moments. See, sometimes it's moments. One thing I love about traveling is I don't pastor anymore, so I can say things that I couldn't say. I know it doesn't happen at Banner, but at churches that I've been at that are less spiritual than Banner, obviously, you would always find people that would enter the church, and as soon as they would enter it, I would think, wow, they must be in a moment. Because their moment is producing them to be here. Because every time they're having a moment out there, they take a moment in here. But we serve a God that isn't after our moments. He's after our life. And if not careful, we keep giving him our moments. We give him our moments of struggle, our moments of sin, our moments of despair, our moments of bad decisions. We can give him our moments when God isn't concerned with your moments. He knows you. He loves you. He believes in you. He is not impaired by the moments of failure in our life. He is passionate about the possibility of the future of our life because God doesn't live in our yesterday. He doesn't even live in our today. He lives in our tomorrow, and he keeps pulling us into the next of our life. But if we get caught in the now, we won't see the next. We'll only see where we've been instead of where we're going. We'll limit our going from where we've gone. And you got to be so careful with this. Because what happens is instead of going to a destiny, you'll begin to do circles. Can I tell you something? Every shortcut I've taken has taken me into circles. You know, now we have not just GPS, but we have our phones that tell us everywhere to go. And by some cruel joke, it's still a woman's voice that is telling us, turn left here. Woman, I don't need to be told what to do. I know exactly where I'm going. I know I've been going here for 45 minutes. It says it's only five minutes away, but I got a shortcut. I love the life of Jonah because Jonah doesn't just, Jonah's extreme. He just doesn't step away from God. But he decides to get on a boat and travel 2,600 miles the different direction. The opposite of Nineveh's that way. I'm going to Tarshish. It's 2,600 miles that way. You know what I love about God is that God has a plan for us. 
that God has a purpose for us. That when Jonah was there and he was looking for something more, you know, there's a scripture that says in Proverbs 29, 18, people, pe people perish because of their lack of vision. Sometimes it's not the lack of vision you have in God, but the lack of vision you have in you. Because you can limit God by the identity of who you see yourself as. If you see yourself as someone that God is a part of and that I can do more, I can, I can accomplish more through Christ who strengthens me, then you'll be someone that keeps stepping off the ledge of possibility into the faith of opportunity. But if not, you will begin to step back instead of forward. You will hesitate in your now that causes your past to leapfrog you into your next. And you'll keep walking into your yesterday instead of walking into your tomorrow. You've got to develop a vision that God has for your life that is greater, that is bigger, an understanding that God has more for your life. Amen? Like, like that's what God wants for our life. I love the scripture that Paul shares in 2 Corinthians 6, 11 through 13 out of the Message Bible. He says this, Dear, dear Corinthians, I can tell how much I long for you to enter this wide open, spacious life. We didn't fence you in. The smallness you feel comes from within you. Your lives aren't small, but you're living them in a small way. I'm speaking as plainly as I can and with great affection. Open up your lives. Live openly and expansively. See, one thing that I realize is God wasn't trying to get Jonah to Nineveh for Nineveh. That's the mistake we made. Well, Nineveh needed Jonah. Nineveh didn't need Jonah. Nineveh needed God. Right? It wasn't Jonah that changed Nineveh. It was God that changed Nineveh. So possibly, is it, is it possible that it wasn't Jonah, Nineveh that needed Jonah, but rather Jonah that needed Nineveh? Is it possible that God was trying to get Jonah to Nineveh, not just to change Nineveh, but that Nineveh would change Jonah? That God was trying to get Jonah to a place of transformation. And anytime God wants you to get vulnerable, I don't know about you, but sometimes we just run. The beginning of this year, I knew that God was calling me away from my church to travel full time. The problem with that is I've got two kids in college. I said, God, I don't know if you're aware of this, but we should sit down. This is the wrong season. It is the wrong time. I don't know, but my children, you know Mariah and Cameron? They're in college. These kids are costing me more money, I love you, Mariah, than they've ever cost me in the history of my life. God, this is the wrong time, but God's time is always the right time. You know why it was the wrong time? Is because I kept seeing my now instead of my next. My vision was always, was, was always impaired by what was happening instead of what could possibly happen. That God wants something more for our life. And so I remember in my office, I have this staff that, that was given to me, gosh, 20 years ago for, for pastoring and shepherding. And I just said, okay, God, I'm going to lay this on the ground. It's yours. Because my life is not about the moments. It's about my life. You're not just my savior. 
that I need forgiveness from. You're my Lord. You're the author and the perfecter of my life. I give you the next season of my life. The problem in giving it to him, I wanted to remind him of my buts. <laughs> but remember, I have kids. But remember, I'm not as young as I used to be. God, I don't know if you checked San Jose's, you know, what, what it costs to live there. The cost of living is almost double what it is in Tucson. My, my apartment, I've not lived in an apartment for 20 years. It's over twice what I paid for my house. But if I get caught in the butts, I'll always have an excuse why I won't. And if you get caught in the butts of your life, you'll always find people that have the excuse why you won't. You'll begin to develop things. I love that God had something more for Jonah than Jonah had thought or imagined. The Bible says it this way, that I will do more than you can think or imagine with your life. That I have more than you can think or imagine planned for you. I want to give you three things today out of the book of Jonah that I believe really shapes the future of our life. Number one is we got to make sure that we place our lives into the hands that will empower us, not the hands that will enable us. Can I tell you something? I love people that will enable me. Let me act the way I want. Let me live the way I want. Let me dress the way I want. Let me, let me talk the way I want. Let me do the things I want. I love it because Jonah on his quest meets up with a couple guys. And on these, these, these guys on the boat, he, he finds some friends. And all of a sudden, a storm kicks up. They think it's a storm because they're just out on the seas. But there's a storm that sucks, kicks up with such um, tenacity that they run below and get Jonah and wake him up. And they're like, Jonah, we're about to die. Get out here. And when Jonah comes out and sees the storm, he realizes that God is after him. And he tells them, throw me overboard. Guys, this is God. He's after me. Throw me overboard. And they said, don't worry. We're not throwing you overboard. You know what? You have all the rights to go to Tarshish. I wouldn't go to Nineveh either. It's the worst time this time of year. You don't want to be in Nineveh. That's a terrible city. Just jump in the boat. We're going to row you to where you should go. And in verse 12, it says, and he said to them, pick me up and throw me into the sea. And then the sea will become calm for you. For I know that this great tempest is because of me. Nevertheless, verse 13, say nevertheless. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to return to land, but they could not, for the sea continued to grow more temptuous against them. You know what we have to be careful of? Is that the people that love us the greatest will enable us the most. You ever been around moms when they're telling stories about their children? You gotta love it. Because moms could care less what you're saying about your kid. They're just, at, they're waiting for you to be quiet for a moment so they can tell you how great their kid is. Like moms in their minds, when you're telling them about how great their, your kid is, they're like, yeah, he's okay. Wait till you hear about little Johnny. It's like my kid knows all of his colors and he can speak the alphabet. He's still in the womb. Oh, but I hear him. 
I love how moms believe in us, but if not careful, the people that love us enable us. Well, this is why they're like this. It's okay because you've navigated this, but you don't need people that will enable you. You need people that will love you, but you need a God that will empower you. God is not concerned with what has happened in your life in the aspect that it's going to keep you where it's happened. God is concerned about what's happened in your life so he can be the God of your life that pulls you out of yesterday and, and, and catapults you into tomorrow, that, that removes the hurt, removes the pain, heals the wounds, gets you through the struggles to get you into a place because he's a God that empowers your life. And here's these guys rowing him the wrong direction. You know what I love about God? Is he's everywhere all the time. Either he's everywhere all the time or he isn't anywhere any of the time. And wherever Jonah ran, he just kept running back into God. He's like, well, I'm getting out of here, God. He gets on a boat to Tarshish. In the middle of the sea, there's a storm. When you look at the journey of Jonah on a map. It's amazing because on his way to Tarshish, he hits a storm that literally moves him in the direction back to Nineveh. He thinks it's the storm that's going to break him, but it's actually the storm that's going to make him. And we usually don't understand God to the fullest in our victories, but we see the profound power of who God is in our struggles and in the storms of our life because it's the storms that make us. They want to break us, but they have the potential to make us. And you see the life of Jonah, and he's in this boat, and these guys are saying, don't even worry about it, Jonah. But when the sea gets to the place where they think they're going to die, they say, well, you know what, Jonah? <laughs> see, people are loyal to you till it's going to cost them something great. They'll pay some small dividends for your life, but Christ paid the ultimate dividend for your life. He paid the price not just for what will get you here. He paid the price for what's going to get you there. Christ didn't die on the cross just to save you, just to forgive you, but he died on the cross to get the potential out of your life. And he's committed to it. And you see that God has this plan that, 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 that he's not going to enable Jonah any longer. He's saying, Jonah, there's more in your life. Even if you don't believe it, I want to tell you there's more in your life. You don't know what I'm navigating, David. You don't know the divorce I've gone through. You don't know the financial situation that I'm in. You don't realize the circumstance that I put myself into. I don't know where you've been. I don't know what has happened. But I know this. God has something to where you're going is greater. That it's greater for your life. That God has something greater for your life. But if you keep reciting yesterday, you'll keep seeing your yesterday and your tomorrow. And you'll hesitate. And you'll try to live in your now. But no one gets to live in now. Life keeps moving so fast. I mean, I can just think it was just moments ago that I was holding this little girl in my hands thinking, I am a dad. Oh, my gosh. God, I don't know if this is a good idea. <laughs> like, I love this child. but I'm, God, help me. 
Help me be the dad. Help me be responsible. Help me take care. It was like overwhelming. And then it's like I closed my eyes and I grabbed and I held her and I opened my eyes. And it was like, give me a hug. I'm going to college. I told her, Mariah, I know you've never homeschooled before, but I think you should homeschool in college. She was like, that's not God's will, Dad. I got to go. Because life continues to move. Time does not worry about your problem. It hasn't worried about your pain. It isn't concerned about your situation. It is going to continue to move. And if not careful, you'll not miss days. You'll miss years. And, and you'll miss decades of your life because of something that was back there instead of stepping into what God has you out there. There's a moment that you've got to believe that God has more for you, that God wants to empower you. And, and it says that, nevertheless, the men rode hard. Can I tell you something? You will always find people that will agree with where you are. But you don't need people that will agree where you are. You need people love you enough to tell you the truth of where you're going. Anyone can tell you where you've been. It doesn't take anyone to love you to tell you where you've been. Some people have a gift of telling you where you've been. Well, I'm just honest. No, you're negative. Oh, I just tell it how it is. No, you don't. You tell it how it was. But I love that I serve a God that's telling it how it's going to become. That he is in my life to do something greater. And he finds Jonah. Jonah's running out of his insecurity, but God's not insecure about Jonah. Jonah's in failure, and yet God is not worried about his failure. Why? Because God has a yes on Jonah, not a no on Jonah. 2 Corinthians 6 tells us that God has always had a yes. He's never had a no. Through Christ, God has stamped a yes on our life. We think God is the God of no. Well, you know, when I serve God, I got to get in this small box. Then you don't know God. Then your perspective is totally wrong. God has a yes on your life. And he's committed to the yes on your life. God is not chasing Jonah out of manipulation. That's people's opportunity. That's what people do. God's pursuing Jonah out of his conviction for the life that he created within Jonah. And so God's not even mad at Jonah. God's not running after Jonah angry. He's running after Jonah because he loves him. He's running after Jonah because he has more for him. He's running after Jonah because Jonah doesn't realize the greatness of the life of Jonah. And many of us miss the greatness of our life. We can see the greatness in the life of everybody else but we miss the greatness of who we are. We can tell you what's wrong with our life, but it's hard to tell you what's right with our life. And there's got to be a transformation where you begin to declare who you are. Because I want to tell you that whatever we get ourselves into, God has a plan to get us out of. No matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, God has already has a plan. It, it says in Jonah 1, 16, then the, mere, then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice to the Lord and took vows. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. 
When these men finally came to the end of who they were, they throw Jonah into the sea. And it doesn't say that there was a fish present. It says that there was a fish that was prepared. Why? Because God knew where Jonah was going to be before Jonah knew where Jonah was going to be. Then he said that if you could get a picture that as the boat left the harbor, a fish left the harbor. Because God has a way of escape for our life. It's crazy. You think, you can say, well, is this just a metaphor? I don't believe it's a metaphor. I believe God is this extreme for our life. I believe he's this passionate. I believe he loves us this much to begin to pull something of greatness out of our life. I believe that his grace and his love and his forgiveness abounds. That we think God is in heaven looking down like, oh man, they're doing it again. Oh gosh, Dave, would you quit? But he's not. Why? Because God is in your tomorrow. You know what I love about God? Is that God went all the way to the end of your life. Planned the end of your life. Then he went all the way to the beginning of your life. And put everything in you to establish the destiny that he wanted to do through you. That God spoke into your life in the womb of your mother. Placed every ability, every talent, and every difficulty. So that you would live the life that he had called you to live. Pursue the destiny that he called you to pursue. Overcome the things and allow him to be the God of your life. That was a God that created, a God that forgave, a God that built a bridge of grace so that you could step past where you've been into where you're going. I love that God creates a plan for us. I love that God works all things for those who love him. However, I also believe that God works all things for those who work all things. Now, that's not a scripture. Don't try to find that. But I am convinced that if we'll work all things, God will work all things. We usually use that scripture. Well, God works all things, which means I messed up really bad, but God work it. But God is not wanting us always to bring our struggle. He's also wanting us to bring our strength. He's not always wanting us to bring our disappointment, but he's also wanting us to bring our victories. That he wants to share both. He wants to work all things in our life to create all things for our life. That there's more in our life and we cannot underestimate what God is willing to do to work all things together in our life. Because God has plans for you. I, I said it earlier, but I, I want you to Grab this. God does not lack vision for your life. God is nowhere in no time, in no moment, throws his hands up and goes, I don't know what I'm going to do with this person. He knows what he has for you. We throw our hands up. We worry. We concern. God is not in crisis. God's God. God is God. We walk through crisis. And that's when his cross becomes significant within our life. I mean, God is for us. You know, when my son, Cameron, was three years old, he brought in his bicycle. It was this little Spider-Man bike. It was a super cool bike. You know when you're a parent, you always buy your kids what you wanted? It's like, kid, you don't want that. You want this. I don't want that. Yeah, well, I'm getting this for me, but I'm saying I'm getting this for you. 
I remember we bought him this little Spider-Man bike and it had these little training wheels and we'd go out riding. At that time, I was really into mountain bike riding and road riding. And, and, and so one day he came in. He was still three years old. He was almost four. He was three and he came in and, and, and thank God his mom was gone. And he said, Dad, I want to ride this bike. I want you to take these training wheels off. And I'm thinking, this kid might kill himself, but we're doing it. So we threw his bike in the back of the truck, took his training wheels off, and went down to the park. We get down to the park, and I, 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 I'm there. I'm like, Cameron, today you're going to ride. And, and, I, and my kids laugh at me because sometimes, if you have not noticed, I'm highly energetic. And, 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 and I'm, like, somewhat passionate about certain things. And I'm, like, telling my kid at the park, I don't care if you're three. You're going to ride your bike. You're going to be am- You're the next Lance Armstrong. You're, you know, you're, Get out of the way, park. The prodigy is here. And so I put him on his bike, and I still remember this moment. I still remember the moment, like, where I grabbed him, and I was like, this is our moment. Like, this is the dad and son moment. And I remember pushing him, like, go. And I don't know what I envisioned. I think I kind of envisioned him, like, taking off in a wheelie, like, dad, you're awesome. And <laughs> But instead, he, like, took one stroke. Like, not even a full stroke, like a half a stroke, and fell down. He was like, (laughs) and I was thinking in my mind, honestly, I was thinking, I pushed the kid further than he went. Like, how did he crash already? And I still remember Cameron, he jumped up off the ground like this and went, yeah! And I was thinking, whoa, all right! And he was like, Dad, did you see that? I was riding my bike. And I was like, You know, for him, he had ridden further than he had ever ridden. I know it was like a half a step, but it was still further than he had ever ridden. And I looked, I was like, Cameron, that's the furthest you've ever ridden. He's like, oh, I know. (laughs) And he was so excited. Then all of a sudden, I I got him back on his bike. I'm like, all right, Cam, this is your moment. And I remember pushing him again. And and and, and I don't know if you've ever seen one of those little bikes, but but the the pedals, they're kind of like a hamster wheel. Like, you can spin like a, and you're still like, and so I push him, and all of a sudden, he takes off. He's like, and he goes about six feet and falls over again, and this time, I'm kind of walking now, and he falls over. I'm like, Cam, you, you're riding your bike. He's like, he jumped up, and yeah, I was like, this kid is excited about riding this bike. And I was so amazed. And, and so I said, Cam, this is your time. This is your time. So I put him on his bike again. And I pushed him again. And Cameron, he took off. And he was riding, but he didn't know where he was going. A lot like us, you know, in life. It's like we're pedaling, but we're not sure about the steering part. And he was like doing circles and figure eights. And I was trying to get people out of the way. Like, get out of the way. This kid's riding his, you know. And, and people, they had a lot of time because, you know, he's pedaling fast, but he's still moving pretty slow. I remember I was like jogging next to him and people probably thought I was crazy because here's this little kid, like what is he going to accomplish? But, but what he's going to accomplish is he's doing something he's never done. And so I'm running down the side of him and I'm yelling, Cam, come on, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, parents out there that have had kids, they get it, they're like, yeah, that's that moment, good for you, buddy. And I just remember running and he rode for like two minutes. And then he crashed. As soon as he crashed, he got up. Yeah! We were cheering. And I thought, you know, that's how God is. 
God is running down the sideline of our life, cheering for us because we're taking steps that we've never taken. We're going places that we've never gone. We're believing for God to do things that we've never believed. And we've got to keep moving forward. We've got to quit worrying about that we fall down, that we mess up, that, that we've, we've allowed something to catch us that we've said would never catch us and keep running the race that God's marked out for our life. It's something so powerful in our life because when you begin to develop the passion to find God, even in the midst of doubt, it creates breakthrough in your life. When you quit understanding that God is running down the sideline of your life, you'll quit running. But can I tell you something? God never stops running down the sideline of your life. You look at the life of Jonah. Jonah runs to Tarshish. God runs after him. Jonah gets in the fish. God joins him. You know, one of the most powerful stories in the Bible is when Jesus comes to Martha and Mary and their brother Lazarus dies. I don't know if you've ever read that story, but what happened is the, his sisters called Jesus and said, and Jesus was a friend, and they said, Jesus, you need to come now because Lazarus is about to die. And if you can get here, he won't die. You ever ask God to do something, he just doesn't show up? You ever ask God to do something, he shows up, but it's just a little too late? I'm not asking you to be spiritual. Man, that happens, it seems, all the time in my life. But yet God's timing is the right timing. And so Jesus shows up a day late. Lazarus is already dead in the grave. So Mary and Martha, two different personalities. One's mad and won't talk. One's broken and comes to Jesus. What I love about Jesus in that moment is it is the shortest scripture in all of scripture. And it just says Jesus wept. Jesus didn't weep because Lazarus was in the grave. He already knew that he was calling Lazarus out of the grave. Jesus wept because Martha and Mary were weeping. See, I love that I serve a God that weeps when I weep that is broken when I'm broken and shouts and dances when I'm shouting and dancing. I love that I serve a God that is believing in who I am and even in the hardships, he weeps over me. Sometimes I think we think God is so mad at who we are, but he's not because he knows who we are. And so here's a moment where Jonah cries out to God and he says this, he says, then Jonah prayed to the Lord from his, from, from, from the fish's belly, and he said, I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction, and he answered me, and out of the belly of Sheol, that word Sheol is, has such meaning because it actually means hell, but it has a second meaning that means the places that cre we create that seem like hell. And God doesn't, God is not concerned who created the hell. He is the God that overcomes it. He is the God that breaks through it. He is the God that makes a difference. And so in verse 7, worship team, why don't you come? It says, when my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayers rose to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving, and I will pay what I vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. So the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah onto dry ground. You know, when I look at this, I don't know 
what 2017 has been, good or bad, but I know it can't hold you. I don't know what is taking place in your life, but it doesn't have the ability to swallow you up and hold you. And if you will allow yourself to believe again, become childlike again, you will hear God running down the sideline of your life, cheering on the next, believing in who he created. In chapter three, verse one, what happens is God comes back to Jonah. And when he comes back to Jonah, he says to Jonah, that, and God spoke to me a second time. God didn't put him on a disciplinary action. He didn't say, hey, in three months, if you're doing strong, then I'm going to take you to Nineveh. He just said, Jonah, are you ready for what's next? And Jonah said, I am. I'm ready for what's next, God. I'm hungry for what's next. I know I've had some failures. I know I've been broken. I know I've been scattered. I know there's been some issues, God. But God, I want what's next. I want next. I, I, I'm so tired of living in my now. I'm so frustrated with my yesterday. I want what's next in my life. I want the next. And I want to tell you something. If you know there's more, but you're living with less, it is the most frustrating place to live when you know there's more. And sometimes you know there's more, but you're going to settle for less because it's where you know you can live. But God is wanting you to step out again today into your next. Just take a step of faith into your next. That your now might have been good, but your next is going to be great. That God has something next for your life. There's a next on this church. You didn't build this facility for your yesterday. You build this facility for your future. You build the, the things that God did through the process of this facility wasn't for yesterday, it's for your future. What God has worked in your life or lacked to work in your life, in your thought this year, isn't for what happened yesterday, last year, six months ago. But he's trying to develop a tenacity for you to push through your doubt, push through your hurt, push beyond your worry, push beyond your borders and say, no God, I am ready for what is next. There's a next on my life. There's a next on my life. No, there's a next on my life. Nevertheless, there's a next on my life, God. But what about the struggle? But there's a next on my life. When your next becomes bigger than your yesterday, you'll start seeing that God will trump the things of where you've been and push you into the places in which you're going. God has a next for you. I'm going to ask you to bow your head, close your eyes this morning. I want to do this quick because of time, but it's not quickly done out of lack. But I believe God is speaking to some. You've just been running. And God said, come on, let me catch you. Let me catch you. I've been running after you. I've been pursuing you. I'm not mad. I'm in love with you. 
just with your head bowed, your eyes closed, you're here and this is your moment for your next. To make your life right with the creator of your life, Jesus Christ, who died and rose again, who overcame death, hell, and the grave, who overcame everything that you've been through and everything you'll ever go through, a God that believes in your future and wants to make a difference in your today. Jesus is knocking at the door of your life. The Bible says if you say yes, he'll come in and make a changing moment. He'll make all things new in your life. In your life, he will make all things new. And if you're here this morning and that's you, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand to the heavens and say, okay, God, I need to make some things right today. Today, I'm not going to wait for me. I'm not going to wait for circus. I'm just saying right here, uh, right now, God, right now, Amen, 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 amen. I see you, sir. Yes, sir. Church, would you pray this prayer with us today? Because I believe when you pray this prayer, Scripture tells us that God changes everything in your heart and in your life. And He separates what was from what is to come as far as the east, as far as from the west. Church, would you repeat this with me as, as we pray this prayer today? Jesus, I ask you today to make my life right. Come into my life. Forgive me. Set me free. Heal my heart. Put a destiny back in my life. I've got a future with you. Through you. I can accomplish the next in my life. But God, I need you now. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, can we just give them? Church, will you stand with me today? I want you to look at me, especially those that just made that decision. Because that decision, when you raise your hand, you just said yes to God who already said yes over you. No, no, God had already, God's not ready to say, well, if you live right, then I'll do it. No, God says yes over your life. God loves you as much when you weren't saved as when you are saved. Some people will struggle with that. But he says it this way, that nothing, Paul said it this way, nothing can separate me from the love of Christ. Not death, nor life, not angel, nor demon, not height, nor death. There's nothing, not my sin, not my struggle, not my issues. Nothing can separate me from his love. And his love continues to pursue you. That's what happened today is his love caught you. But let his love keep you. Because though everything changed in here, it doesn't mean everything changed out there. But you have become a catalyst this morning, which means that no longer will out there change in here, but what's in here is going to change what's out there. It's going to change what's out there. It's going to change what's out there. This is what I want to leave today with. If you're here today and you know there's more, but you're living with less, 
doesn't matter if it's your fault or someone else's fault. It doesn't even matter if you think it's God's fault. Well, God let it happen. I don't know your situation, but I know that God is big enough to make all things new. I know that God is big enough and he has plans for your future, plans not to harm you, but plans to prosper you. I know that he will do more than you can think or imagine that God is after it. And because he wants to do more than we think and imagine, when God shares something that he wants to do, it's beyond us. Why? Because God isn't looking for your ability. He's not. That's where we mess up. We think if we become good enough, we'll become God enough. It's not true. God has never looked for ability. He's always looked for willingness. Because he's a God that is able to do more than we can think or imagine, right? He is the one who is able. I just got to be willing. I just got to say yes to his yes every day that I wake up. God, today I'm waking up and I'm saying yes to your yes. I'm saying no to what was and yes to what's to come. God, there's greatness in my future. There's a God that lives in my future and I'm running after what God wants. I will not let 2017 contain me. I will not allow my hurt to restrict me. I will not allow the pain of yesterday to dilute me. I will not allow a divorce, an addiction, a struggle. You know why? Because when you look at Jonah's life, whatever he gave to God, God used on his behalf. It's wild. He gave God a sea, a boat, and a fish. And God said, no problem, let me use it. Right now, you may just have addiction. Give it to God, he'll use it for you. You may just have a pain or a hurt, a past relationship. Give it to God and watch what he'll do with it. But God isn't just looking for our dysfunction. He's looking for our function. And when I give it to God, it accelerates the process of where I'm going. I know this is way old school for some of you. There used to be a machine called a VHS. It was right after the wheel and they found fire, then the VHS came out. But I love the VHS, you know why? Because it allowed me to fast forward past the parts I didn't want to watch. You know what I love about God is God has a fast forward button to get us beyond what was and into what is coming. That our next is now, that your next is now. And if you're here today and you know there's more but you feel like they're living with less, God is speaking to you. I'm going to count to three, and when I hit three, I'm just going to ask that you step out of where you've been and come into where you're going. You can say, are you telling me that there's going to be a difference if I step out of from the chair that I'm at? You know what? It might just be symbolic, but it's faith saying, I will no longer live where I've been living. I'm going to step out of where I've been living. I'm going to step out of where I've been doubting. I'm going to step out of where I've been hurting. And I'm going to step into where God is taking me. Because I realize a lot of people live in a place they don't want to live for a lot of years because they never realize that the faith is just stepping, just one little step today. <laughs> one little step tomorrow. One word that says, I'm not going to speak about it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quit declaring where I've been and I'm going to start declaring where I'm at. I'm at two. And I believe there's a lot of people in this room 
that want more. And I pray that there's a faith and a confidence that hits you in the name of Jesus right now that will say, I am not going to live with less anymore. I'm not going to live with less in my relationship with God. I'm not going to live with less in my relationship with my children. I'm not going to live with less in, in, in financially. I'm not going to live with less in my bank account. I'm not going to live with less in my marriage. I'm not going to live in less with my destiny. My business is not going to be in the less anymore. I believe in God to take it in the more. But I've got to step beyond where I've been into where I'm going because it cannot hold me unless I stay. And if you believe there's more for you, but you're just a little hesitant. You're just a little stuck. You know there's more, but yet you keep living with less. I'm at three. And wherever you are, I'm going to ask you just to step out of where you are and come to this altar. Just step. I, I want to say a simple prayer with you, but I believe there's an action. Wherever you are, come on. We'll make room for you. Maybe this is new for you. Maybe it's old for you. But I'm telling you, God is in the business of doing something in your life today. There's a next on you. I prophesy, I declare, there's a next on you. Can you just look around a little bit? If you're on the outside, just squeeze in. Just look around. You know what's so good about this? Is we're not alone. When you feel like you're living with less, it seems like everyone else is living with more. You ever felt that way? Like, when will I ever be like that? How will I ever catch that? How can I ever? But God has a more for you. God has more for you. Doesn't matter what season of life.